Good morning and welcome. It's the time once again, the Patriot Radio News Hour live on this Monday, the second day of October. I hope this finds you well. Obviously, uh, I'm sure if you haven't heard it by now, the tragedy that is unfolding in Las Vegas, 58 people now confirmed dead. 500-plus injured. Uh, just a, our hearts go out to to everybody that was affected and, and just the largest, now they're saying it's the largest attack, uh, I guess, by a private citizen in U.S. history. Uh, like I said, now the update is 58 dead, over 500 injured. They are not saying that this is a terrorist event, or ISIS has claimed responsibility. We are not confirming that. Uh, His brother, the shooter's brother, said he had no religious affiliation, allegedly. Uh, We'll have to wait to see how all of it unfolds. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The website at allamericangold.com. Crazy, crazy times that we are living. I don't know if any of you saw uh, the the events in, in Catalonia, in Spain. Uh, of course, that region uh, tried to have a, I guess, you know, uh, secede from Spain, right, and, and become an independent a state or country, and uh, the Sp- the Spanish police they sent five thousand officers over there to try to stop that election from happening. Uh, and everyone's talking about uh, if they're successful, you're going to see other other places do the same thing, more splintering, if you will, going on in the world. Uh, terrorist attacking Canada over the weekend as well. And then, obviously, the things that have unfolded in Vegas, and, and, you know, it just, I don't know what to say. You know, we are becoming more and more divided. And I really think, you know, it's kind of like this. I, I, I'll, I'll use this example. You know, now you're going to hear that we need to ban guns thing again. Matter of fact, some of the Democrats are already out saying it. And I'm like, you know what, we need to look at what the real reason is. Right? We're, we're, we're trying to take away the, oh, we're not we, but the, some people are trying to take away the guns, but instead of trying to figure out what the problem is. Now, I don't know about this guy. You know, and I, I just know about how we... You know, whether it be the stuff that the chemicals that we've used in our food to the antidepressants and the pharmaceuticals and the and the culture of everybody gets a trophy and all of these things. And and I'll call them the unintended consequences of of these actions. Maybe we need to look at that more. All right. Not maybe we, we need to. And then, of course, the this. I don't know the political and and people that are just justified in that they think they have the moral high ground and all of the 
the the crazy things that have been going on, the anthem protest, and I, and I don't even want to talk about that anymore. I'm not even watching football. But all of those things, uh, you know, it, it's incredible what we have going on. You know, when you think about how even today, right, Wall Street's up again today. It makes no sense. None of it makes any sense. Uh, but on Friday, I told you we're going to, it's going to be one of these shows where we're going to learn about, and this show's going to be about gross domestic product, GDP. How did it originate? Who who came up with it? And are we really in a growth period? In other words, are there what there's been one significant change, and not in the not in the data because they've changed the way they calculate that a, a lot. But there's been a major shift in how we are getting to these, and whether it's 3% or 1% or 2%, but there's been one major category that's driven all of it. And a matter of fact, if you go back and, and look at all of the history since they came up with the actual calculation, at a very, and I'm talking the top-line calculation, and we're going to go over all of it. We're going to give it to you. And then, of course, you know, they got thousands of little subsets, but it's really a pretty simple formula. And again, isn't it always the things that they try to be so complicated, right? And it's too hard to understand. And we got all these categories and subcategories and subcategories of that, and it, it gets really complicated. But we can always find the simple. And we're going to break it down. And it was something where I didn't do it. And, and Baker Research did it. And I'm going to share with you today uh, the results. But the, the most important thing about it is, you know, it's nice to know, right, the, the simple calculation of how they get it. That's a nice-to-know thing. But the something that happened, as a matter of fact, it continues to happen for the last 10 years that's never happened before. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Patriot Radio News Hour, our toll free number 800 951. Zero five nine two, and this is this is one of these shows where I think it's important, and I hope as many of you can. Uh, if you know people that normally listen, they weren't able to listen today. This is one of the ones you want to listen to. Oh, by the way, quick, uh, and I hate to before I get to that, a couple of announcements. Number one, some of you are waiting on twenties; those are going to go out tomorrow. It was my fault. I apologize. They'll all be out tomorrow. And then the metals program will be starting shipping before the end of this week, and that'll go on for the next several weeks. This is from Baker and Company Advisory Group. They are the ones that did the research. And it really highlights exactly what I've been telling you. And now, it's just another fact. 
And, of course, what I've been telling you is they didn't fix anything. They, they covered it up. Right? And I've been saying that for years. Right? They just took a bunch of debt and covered it up. Right? Kind of like uh, that movie Big Daddy, you know, where he puts the, the kid wet the bed and, and Adam Sandler put the, the newspaper on it. Yeah, you covered it up for a little bit, but then it all seeps through anyway, right? Same thing, same principle. They they put us in a horrible, horrible position. And then they covered it up. And now they're trying to say that they fixed it. So here's what Baker has to say. The U.S. economy is not as solid as it appears. They, they use the word statistical anomalies. That is the word that they use. Hide profound weakness. And they, then what they do is they examine the actual GDP and actual employment. Okay? And they, they put a warning that this is not for the faint. Uh, at heart. In other words, they're trying to add a little humor and a little color to, hey, this isn't going to look good. And this is a company that, that, you know, they're in the debt business. Do you consider debt as income? That is the question that they start with. Before you answer that, let's perform a thought experiment. Imagine that you had taken a long cruise last fall and charged $10,000 to an American Express card. When you did your taxes this year, would you have told the IRS that you had $10,000 in income from American Express? Of course you wouldn't. Suppose a major oil company issues $800 million worth of bonds to develop a new oil field. Would the company report that as income to stockholders or to the IRS? Of course, they wouldn't. I am sure those sound like silly questions. And the answer is self-evident. No, we do not consider borrowed money as income. It is a liability that must be paid back. Then why do we count federal government debt when measuring national income? I will leave speculation as to why. Okay, now, I won't. It's pretty simple why, right? We want to make things appear better than what they are. But he will he's going to leave the speculation as to why to the readers like me, I'm reading it, and focus on the fact that we count new treasury debt as income. The modern concept of gross domestic product was first developed in 1934. So already you have some context. 
hey, we're in a we're in a depression. We're going to ve- to develop a new measure of GDP. And of course, when you think about it, what type of measurement would they want to come up with? Well, they're in a depression, right? Obviously, a number that would hopefully make it appear to be better. Now, that's just my spin. The Department of Commerce, commissioned by a Nobel laureate, right? So we had the the academic thing was really taken off, even in the 30s. The guy's name was Simon uh, Kuznet, Kuznet, and it's uh, K-U-Z-Nets, N-E-T-S, Kuznets of the National Bureau of Economic Research. He's the guy, he put the team together. And they set up a uh, National Economic of Accounts uh, meeting in a, you know, a, a very developed statistical measuring, uh, kind of like the MIT mafia of its time. Debating how to measure all the very sources uh, various sources of income. And they came up with a very simple formula. GDP equals PI plus BT plus GS. So what are those initials me. Let's start with the first one, PI. And that's really simple. Private income. Okay? The citizenry, right? How much money did you make? And that was really, and what they did is they were two big buckets in the PI. And probably, I don't even know how many little buckets probably thousands. But the two big buckets were really simple. Consumption, and they used the other word, investment. And then for investment, just put savings. Okay, whether that's your uh, money in your savings account, an IRA, a 401k, whatever it may be. Your E-Trade account. Consumption, Okay, I got to pay the mortgage, the car payments, right? I, I I bought a computer, I bought a cell phone, I paid this, I paid that. And investment. Hey, what did you do with what was left over? And they considered anything left over investment. So that's PI, private income, plus BT. That is balance of trade. Now remember, we know this number is now profoundly negative. Right in the 30s, it wasn't. Right, this was helping. Right, hey, we used to ship out more stuff than we brought in. And then the last one, GS. That stood for government spending. And you see, when they came up with this formula, the 
really wasn't a lot of government debt. I mean, if it wasn't wartime, we ran no debts or a lot of times surpluses. But if you took out, uh, like, the Civil War, the War of 1812, World War One. Well, you're talking about 1934. Government wasn't running debt. It's just not what we believed in. And you think about we became a superpower without running debt. Just want to point that out. We became a superpower because we didn't have debt. So the final formula for GDP included government spending. Notice that the government spending component did not take into account whether or not the government spent money taken out of private income, right, taxes, or whether it borrowed it. Right? When measuring national income, they are giving equal weight to spending taxes on the actual private income and the money borrowed by the Treasury. And like I said, at the time, we didn't really run a lot of debt. Of course, the government was small. We didn't, the government didn't spend a lot of money. I suggest that the government debt is not part of national income because it's not income. It's borrowed, often from sovereigns that are not our friends and must be paid back eventually. We do not consider borrowed money as income anywhere else. Nowhere. Well, I mean, and the reason is simple. <laughs> it doesn't make mathematical sense. But yet, we do it for this one piece of data. Right? And they talk about it. Well, for, the, for a long time, they try to pretend that GDP didn't matter anymore. And now we're starting, you know what, really for me, now I'm starting to understand why. They were kind of downplayed. Of course, now Donald Trump wants to bring that number back as being a relevant number. So when we look through, and they went all the way back to 1934, and they started doing, okay, government took in X, spent Y, and you're left with Z. And they said every year, and there were some exceptions, you know, here and there, but every year when, when tracking government borrowing, until the last 10 years, right? Like I said, there was a blip here and a blip there. You still ended up with a positive GDP number. When you now take the formula GDP equals PI plus BT, right, the, the trade, plus 
government spending, but you let you subtract out the borrowing. So I'll give you an example. Here's an easy one. Last year, and I'm going to round these numbers for everybody. The government spent four trillion dollars in the GDP calculations. They give four trillion dollars worth of credit even though the government borrowed a trillion dollars. Right? So so we actually created a liability of a trillion dollars, but GDP ignores it. If you actually take in the amount of debt that's being added into consideration for the gross domestic product of the United States, you get a chart where, especially, well, since the financial crisis, a big hockey stick down, right? And then over the last five years, or the last 10 years, you had seven years where it went kind of even, and then the last three years it took another big fall down because the government debts have been getting even larger. So what does that mean in real terms? This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. President Trump delivered again on a campaign promise in September by ending the unlawful Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program known as DACA. This Obama-era executive order prevents deportation for illegal aliens who claim they were brought to our country as children. This executive action undermined both immigration law and congressional authority over it. President Trump's plan to phase out DACA, however, restores the rule of law to immigration. Now, no new applications will be accepted under DACA without further action by Congress. However, existing applications will continue to be processed, and DACA privileges will be honored until they expire. The government will continue issuing DACA renewals for another six months, which gives Congress plenty of time to consider a permanent law. Trump's decision to pass the responsibility to Congress, where it belongs, is the best part. The Constitution gives Congress the power to make our immigration policy, so any change in the law must start there, with Congress being held politically accountable for any attempts to shift benefits from American citizens to illegals. Legislation to grant legal status to DREAMers, as DACA recipients are called, was introduced in Congress as far back as 2001 and has been rejected many times since then, most recently in 2010, when Democrats controlled both houses. In fact, on at least 22 occasions, President Obama himself admitted that he lacked the authority as president to implement a DACA-like program. After changing his mind, however, in an election year, he described DACA as a temporary stopgap measure. Well, now House Speaker Paul Ryan and other Republicans say they want DACA to continue, but many Democrats would go much further if they had the chance. A new DREAM Act could extend legal status and provide benefits to millions of currently illegal residents, not just the 800,000 who signed up so far. By ending this unlawful action, President Trump is properly restoring the role of Congress over our immigration system.
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Illegal immigration burdens our schools and social services and opens doors to criminals and terrorists. Outdated visa programs divert jobs from Americans. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles these outrageous unfair practices and provides answers. Go online to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour talking about how are we getting this new great GDP dumper? And one of the things, and I've said it for a long time, about how this used to be an area, I'm talking about GDP of below 2%, where the Federal Reserve would be lowering rates. Not raising them. We definitely wouldn't be talking about how great the economy is. And what these guys found out is that every single year from 1934 through 2007 the United States had positive GDP growth even when you subtracted out the deficits. And, of course, we really didn't start running deficits of any kind outside of war until 1971. But even then, the crash of 87 still had growth. The George Bush Sr., right? Remember, the it's the economy stupid, right? Bill Clinton got elected on that. Still had growth. After 9-11, still had it. It wasn't until the crash, when we realized something in our financial system was horribly broken. And it's been argued by me that we didn't fix anything. Matter of fact, they're playing the biggest house of cards game on the American public, and we're just too dumb to notice. We don't want to know. And believe you me, Wall Street doesn't want you to know. Right? Because if you knew, you'd be like, well, this is not going to last. This isn't, this can't be sustainable. And then a lot of you, like I thought initially when I first saw the research, I said, well, it's got to be getting better. It's actually getting worse again. And, of course, right now we're trying to pretend to do the uh, re- ending, uh, reducing of the balance sheet. And, I, and I've been arguing that, listen, a lot of people have tried this before. And every time it ends up the same way, recession. And now you're starting to hear people talk about, hey, this one's going to be another big one. Maybe the worst one yet. And, And now you have an example of why. And, and let me put it in perspective. The government has always borrowed and spent money. Right? We know that. That's what government does. But actual GDP 
when you put debts as debts, has grown as far back as the Federal Reserve has data. So I even, you know what, my bad. This goes all the way back to 1913. So even during the Great Depression, of course, we didn't run any debt, and we had a trade surplus. That is until 2008. Something in our economy broke. Since then, it appears the economy has been in what would be considered a depression masked by huge federal government stimulus and borrowing. Have we reached a level of economic activity that could sustain itself without artificial stimulus. What would happen if the government was forced to balance the budget? You can decide for yourself, but you're talking about removing 7% of GDP. Right? Think about it. That's how much debt. That's just the government, right, runs every year, right? We are borrowing 7% of GDP. An economic depression is generally defined as a severe downturn that lasts several years. Does this look like a severe downturn that is lasting several years? This is what our GDP minus, you know, the artificial stimulus looks like. And they show this chart. And this chart shows you ever since 08, the amount of GDP that is nothing more than debt in other words, borrowed, has grown dramatically and actually over the last three years has taken another leg down. Well, and remember, right, what's been happening to the national debt? Right, we got down to that fake 400 and, I forget what the number was, 430, $440 billion number. Now it's almost double that number, right? We're going to be over... billion at the fiscal year that just ended a few days ago. And of course, that doesn't include all the borrowing. Right? That's just part of the borrowing. That's kind of the problem. As we know, right, if you take the debt on on September 30th, well, I guess October 1, and go to September 30th, you can see the national debt, and it's been doing this now for years, is growing at more than a trillion dollars a year, and it's growing bigger. Since 08, artificial stimulus has averaged 7.45% of GDP. Quite simple, without the artificial stimulus 
Our GDP has declined by an average of seven and and seven point four five percent since two thousand seven. And I highlight that this is new. A lot of people would want you to believe, oh, that's the way it's always been. It hasn't. Never been. Kind of been my argument all along. That if without all of the deficit spending, nothing has been fixed. We just tried to lay down some newspaper because we went to bed. Now we're trying to act like it's been fixed. And this is where the problem is going to, this is where we're going to run into the problem. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back right after the break. So we saw one side, right, that without debt and a lot, a lot of debt, right, there is no GDP growth. Now let's go to the second one because they didn't stop there. Remember, this is out of Baker. Baker did the research here. Jobs. The labor market is reported as having created millions of jobs. Of course, they asked the question that I wrote about, but what kind of jobs? We often hear that we have full employment or very tight labor, right? That we've created so many jobs that the Federal Reserve must raise rates, right? Because you know, the Phillips curve says inflation's coming because look at look at the job. Look at what we've done. Since no one wants to raise a family working multiple part-time jobs, let's actually examine U.S. employment in terms of full-time jobs. I think that's awesome. Why don't we do that? The Federal Reserve's database, specifically when it comes to jobs, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics tells us there were 121,875,000 people employed with full-time jobs in November of 2007. And that's before the their official crisis hit. As of August 2017, there are 125,755,000 people with a full-time job. That means we haven't even created four million full-time jobs in the last 10 years. Matter of fact, about 388,000 a year to be exact. By the way, you know how much the population has grown? By 23 million. So that means 20 million people didn't get full-time jobs. 
according to the National Center for Education. There were 3,897,000 people, 3,897,000 people. Okay, that's more people graduating who received a college degree. By the way, that included associate's degrees, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and PhDs. Okay, so basically any form of degree in 2016-2017 school year. 3,897,000. And I re-emphasize that number because the number of full-time jobs we've created in the last 10 years, 3,880,000 is less than how many people get a college degree in a single year? I mean, you know, you start doing the math, and you have, you know, 3.5 million people a year graduating from college that aren't going to get a full-time job. That means, what I, well, I guess that means what I just said. 3,500,000 people that graduated from college this year will not be in a full-time job. The really bad news is that everyone who graduated from college, who dropped out of college, who graduated from high school, or even dropped out of high school from 2000 through 2016, do not have full-time jobs. There have not been enough full-time jobs created in our account in our economy for anyone coming out of high school or college in nine out of the last ten years. And you start really thinking about how this has happened, right? And, and forget about, right, all the other stuff, right? Forget about the shootings and the terrorism and the not standing for the anthem and the political division that exists and the fake news and the war on terror and North Korea and, and independence in Spain and all these other things. And you dial right into what is really happening. And the answer really is simple. The whole thing blew up, and now they're trying to lie that they fixed it. They know this is their own data. You know, and what's funny is I continually still hear Janet Yellen. Now, she's kind of, sort of, admitting there may be a problem. But then they go right back to, to talking about how employment's great. So if we're only getting GDP growth, and you know what, really, you think about it, 
Forget about balancing the debt. We would have no GDP growth if we just took 30 or 40% of the debt away. And now, come to find out, every kid that graduates from college almost is doing it for nothing. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Final segment, Patriot Radio News Hour. Fascinating. And I mean, when when you sit there and you really understand what it is that they've done, and then they come out and they they act like somehow they did us this great huge favor. And today, what we really learned is what they did is they just tacked it on to what to 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 the future of and of course the future's now, right? It's all spiraling out of control. And and I sit there and you think about I've got. My oldest son's a senior in high school, and when I read this stuff, it infuriates me. We're only creating, let's let's round up, 400,000 full-time jobs a year. There's 4 million people graduating from college with a degree every year. So you tell me. Yes, some of that is going to be people retired and they replace that person with a new person. Right? So there's no... You didn't gain a job there. But at the same time, the population is also growing at about 2.3 million people a year. So you're, you you know, in theory, just to stay in place, you need to create 2.3 million full-time jobs. Well, some of those people aren't going to work one night, but at least over like 2 million. We're creating less than 400,000. And, and and when you look at that, and you, and you read that, and you understand this, and you look at how we're getting this alleged GDP growth, where almost eight percent of all of the growth is debt, and that doesn't count what you owe on your Amex bill or your mortgage or your student loan or your credit card. That's not a national. That doesn't count with your state and your city. Doesn't count any of those either. So really, when you look at the numbers, it's probably way more than that. This is why you need to take the time to put things away and be patient. I know it's not glamorous, it's not glorious. I know all of you want it to double tomorrow. You really don't, right? I say that all the time. Listen, I truly believe. I don't think there's any doubt, right? Gold's going to two, three, probably four, maybe five thousand. Because I, I, I'm just looking at basic numbers here. There's, I mean, I don't see any other way. It's not going to happen overnight. But I want to tell you right now, we're not going to like it. Now, if you have it, right, you're going to like it. You know. 
you're going to hate it a little less than everybody else. Right? But it's not going to be a good thing. 800-951-0592. Everyone take care. Take the time. you got to make the call. We'll talk again tomorrow.